in the first psalm, we have a great passage describing the Blessed One. It is translated, Blessed is the man. The word man can refer to man in general, humanity, which is female or male. And we need to understand that this great passage is speaking of anyone. Blessed is anyone. Blessed is the person. Blessed is the person that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But this person's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate during the night and during the day. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Apostle Peter refers to this, And they that do the will of the Lord shall endure. What a wonderful blessing. If you will observe the different sequences of a person that he's describing here. Here is a person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the uh, ungodly. And if he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, he walks in the counsel of the godly and of God. But there's a graduation of, of intensity here in order to be displeasing unto God. You can just start out by not walking in, in the godly way. And a man is blessed when he... he really walks in the counsel of the, uh, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But he's not a blessing if he walks in the counsel of the ungodly. And the first step is just to walk in that way. To sort of take a few steps. But then, the man is blessed who doesn't stand in the way. You know, there's one thing to walk in the counsel of the ungodly or not to walk in it. And then there's another thing to just stand there and get steadfast in it and get stuck in it. And he is tying all three of these together. The blessed one is the one who doesn't walk in the ungodly way. He doesn't stand in the ungodly way, nor does he take a seat and sit there. 
in the scornful and the people who say things that shouldn't be said about God and about the godliness of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a very personal question. If you would take inventory of yourself, give yourself a test, and let's grade from 1 to 10, 10 being the best and 1 and 0 being the least, where would you stand and where would you be if you graded yourself and gave yourself this test? Do you walk in the counsel of the ungodly? Do you stand in the way of sinners? What would you give yourself? A two, three, or four, or five, or ten? If you don't, you don't walk in the way of sinners, you've got a ten. If you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you've got a ten. I mean, you can make a ten on those two. And what about just sitting, just sitting in the, with the people who scorn righteousness and scorn godliness and scorn Christ-likeness? Are you afraid? To sit with the righteous? To stand with the righteous? Are you afraid to have counsel with the godly? Do you even want to counsel with the godly? Or would you rather counsel with the ungodly? I'm talking about a believer. Now the blessing is ours. If we can walk in ungodliness. We're headed toward blessedness, and blessedness is happiness. Blessedness is stability. Blessedness is serenity. Blessedness is assuredness. Blessedness is, is hand in hand with God. Blessedness is knowing who you are, what your purpose is. And where you're going to, and where you came from, and you're standing firm. And when you do, you are able to understand that everything you do and say will be blessed. And I wonder if you could just give yourself on that test, if you could just say, where am I as far as Jesus Christ is concerned? As far as his church is concerned, as far as his way of life and lifestyle is concerned, as far as his prayer life and what he did and what he gave us to, where would I rate myself in that? Would I give myself a five or a four? A three or two or one? This is, is an inventory that everyone should take. 
And the word of God has has been given. The word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. It's able to discern the thoughts and intents of man's heart. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Well, the word is living and active. Or in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Or will you go away? Will you go to somebody else? Peter spoke up and said, Lord, you have the words of life. To whom shall we go? And Jesus said again in John, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The first chapter, John said, in him, in him we live, move, and have our very being. And he also says, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. And in him, he it was in the beginning. And he took upon him flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, even the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what I've just said? I've just got through talking about the word of God. And the word of God is living and active, and, and the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. And the word of God is a part of Christ. And it's instructions to us. It's how we should live in our relationship with God. And Peter said, this is the gospel which by the word is preached to you. So it's the good news. It's the good news about man. Now, if we're real legalistic, uh, we want to be really right. We want to be truthful, and we want to have everything just like we want it, and we want to uh, do it verbatim and, and the Word, and that's nothing wrong with that. I've just got through saying the Word of God is living and acting. But if we use the Word of God as just a whip, to whip people in line because of a favorite doctrine that I have or you have, or a hang-up that I have or you have that we just hang everything on. Or if you're right in this particular thing, I will listen to you. I'll go along with you. But if I don't, I'm going to punish you by not having anything to do with you because I want to do what the Word of God says. Right then we have left the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not just confined to one point. The Word of God says that you must love your enemies. The Word of God says that you must pray for them that despitefully use you and abuse you. The Word of God says you're supposed to go the extra mile when someone needs help. The Word of God says that you're to be kind to those that your enemies be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If thine enemy hunger, you feed him. In so doing, you shall heap coals of fire upon his head. That's not to do it to get revenge. It's to do it because the word of God makes us like God. And that's the reason the word is the good news. 
Now, of all the things that we could teach about the Word of God, the most profound is that God wanted us to know who He was and who He is. And He gave us the Old Testament and the New to let us know who He is so we can have a relationship with Him. Even though we're hit on every side, even though we have people who differ with us and who uh, certainly may not agree with us in different things, He wants us to know how God acts, and he wants us to act that way. In fact, 42 people, or 40 people, God used to give us the Old and the New Testament. 32 he used to give us the Old Testament. 32 different places. 32 different times, 32 different things, and a lot more. And, and what it was for is to show us and to teach us who Christ is and who we are. That we're all sinners and that we're all lost and that we're all going to the devil's hell with him if we don't believe Jesus Christ. That's the word. And Jesus spent his days here upon the earth conditioning his disciples with the Old Testament for three and a half years of who he was, where he came from, what his purpose was, and where he was going to, and that everybody could have a part with him. And that he wanted everybody to. And that was his purpose here. And when he was raised from the dead, and he did just what he said he would do and what God would do with him, Jesus takes the word when his disciples are disbelieving after he's raised from the dead, after he's fulfilled the message, after he's been the one who he said he was and who the scripture said he was, then he takes the Old Testament, the law and the Psalms and the prophets, and as he's walking along with them, he opens their hearts. And their hearts burn within them because he opened their eyes and their minds to who he said he was and who the scripture said he was. That's in Luke, the 24th chapter. That is the word. That's the word that makes people blessed. And we can go over that word and we can read Luke and we can memorize those scriptures, but if we don't get the Christ, we haven't gotten the blessing. This is the good news, which by the gospel is preached unto you. The good news is Christ has come, and Christ is here. And when you have Christ, you don't walk in the way of the ungodly. You could, would not think about taking a stand with the sinners. You wouldn't think about 
taking a seat for people who would scoff at the very word that says you can be God and live forever. And that's the reason a person can be blessed. The word has told us who Christ is, where he came from, and who he is. And I'm just sorry to say that a lot of people who make up the body of Christ haven't got the message. It doesn't bother them that they don't worship Christ. It doesn't bother them if they don't give a part of their prosperity to keep the, the message that I'm preaching going. They think that's for somebody else. It doesn't bother them if there's lost people all around and we haven't taken the message that Christ is alive, Christ wants in the heart and lives of people. How do you grade yourself on that test? Are you really standing? Are you sitting? Are you walking? Or do you refuse to take that? If we're blessed, we are active and we're like James. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. For a person who is a, a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's just like a man who looks in the glass and he just sees the story of Christ from Genesis to Revelation and he sees it confirmed and proved in the New Testament. And then he just says, oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? I'll go a little bit. I'll have a little of this uh, Christianity when I want to. And, and uh, uh, that's all right. Uh, I forget about the person. Oh, I've heard about him. I hope I get to go sometime. I hope I'm saved at the end. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus after you have believed in him and you put him on and you walk in him and he walks in you and he, he vibrates with the very heartbeat of your soul in order to, to grasp and to give other people the hope to live everlastingly. Why do you think Paul left Judaism and went through persecution in every city he came to? Why was he able to say, It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why did, in the persecution and in, in when he had something and when he had nothing, uh, the Philippians, he could say to them, I, I'm, uh, When I'm full or when I have my need, it's okay. If I don't have anything, it's okay. I, I can adjust in Christ. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and my God supplies all of my needs. That's faith. That's the blessed one. In the close of the Revelation, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they not have a right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. Or are they just doing the commandments or are they just appropriating Christ because they got the story. They not only got the story of Christ, they got the Christ. And they're living with him and they're thriving with his power and his strength. We have to overcome a lot of things. I was talking very personally with an individual this week. And he was telling me how he was having a, 
rise above the behavior of his own family, his mother and his sister and his alcoholic father and and uh, how that they would uh, criticize. And then after they criticized each other, they, they'd pout and they wouldn't speak. And they'd go along for uh, days or, or hours and they wouldn't speak to one another. And then they'd try to, to, to speak and, and the person said, no, they were going to punish one another. And then when, when the person would, would say, well, yeah, I'll make it up, the other person would turn right around and do the same thing. Say, no, no, I wanted you to, but now I'm not going to do it. I'm going to punish you. And he said, I find, I've been doing the same thing. And I said, you're, you're smart. You're, you're catching on. The Christ man is in you. And he's helping you to understand you don't have to hook into your, uh, your behavior patterns of your, first, of your first five, six, seven years. The Word says that a husband is to love his wife as his own self. Christ gave himself for the church, family affairs. The man will give himself for the wife and to have harmony and peace. And he says, the wife will love her husband as the Lord. That's the blessed one. That's the blessed one who has claimed the person of the word. And that person is controlling them rather than their bad patterns of their dysfunctional lives. The Word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to penetrate our hearts and our lives. If we understand that the Word gives us Christ, and Christ in you is the hope of glory, we plant a seed. It brings forth after its kind. Christ is brought forth in a man's life when the story and when the seed of his coming from God from heaven 33 years through a virgin. And when the person believes that and believes that he's lost and that he's in the clutches of Satan and he believes that Christ became man in order for us to become God and to be delivered from Satan, that's the seed. And then he'll just get himself to us. He'll just get inside of us. And when we have a trouble and we have facts and when we have distortions of the approach of old Satan toward us, Christ is able to ward that off because we have faith and say, Lord, I can't handle it, but you can handle it. That's the blessed man that brings forth after its kind. And when a man believes that, he, the seed is in his heart. And when he believes, when he repents, and when he's born again in the watery grave of baptism, it began with his believing that Jesus was the, was the God. He just came forth 
from the wound of the water, but it's really from the heart of God and the blood of Christ in his rebirth. And as you would plant a seed, and it brings forth after its kind, we today, who are members of the body of Christ, are just little Christ walking around, and they call us Christians, and we call ourselves Christians. And we get all in a maze when Satan hits us from every way. But he hit Christ. He killed him. He killed the Prince of Life. But you know what? It made it possible for you to have life. And he wants you to come and accept him as we stand together and say.